You ready for this? Yeah. If is the most original and heartfelt movie in years. Magic like this comes around once in a lifetime. This Friday, experience it with your whole family. Can we do it again? If ready PG. Today on the Illini Enquirer podcast, let's get you ready for Illinois football's non-conference finale against Florida Atlantic. A 2:30 kickoff at Memorial Stadium is the one and two Illini take on the one and two FAU Owls, led by Tom Herman, former Texas Houston coach, as well as Ohio State offensive coordinator. FAU enters one and two, took a tough loss, bad loss. Uh, to Clemson, 48-14. That was 48-7. You know, thirty-four to zero at one point, uh, uncompetitive game. But uh, FAU, more importantly, lost some talent. They've had some injury issues. And Casey Thompson, remember that name? Nebraska's former starting quarterback, former Texas quarterback. Uh, he suffered a season-ending knee injury, so he won't be available for this game. So they're going with Daniel Richardson, Central Michigan transfer, uh, undersized guy, but a pocket passer. So that line has changed since that news came out. Illinois was a 14-point favorite to open the week. They are now 15-and-a-half-point favorites at home. And uh, we're going to preview Illinois against FAU today. Joey Wagner is going to join me. We'll talk about six topics for Illinois football, and that includes – talking about Johnny Newton's draft stock, talking about Luke Altmaier. Can he bounce back? The impact of Matthew Bailey's season-ending injury and Barry Lunny's offense. We'll talk about all those things coming up. But first, let's get the lowdown, a breakdown of FAU and their football program. What is Tom Herman taking over? How talented is this team, especially with the injuries uh, in their offensive backfield quarterback and running back? And what are the keys for the Owls to kind of put Illinois on upset alert? We talked with Zach Weinberger of the Palm Beach Post. Uh, talked about FAU football as well as FAU basketball because Illinois is going to play the FAU Owls team that went all the way to the Final Four last year. So Zach Weinberger is going to break it down next on the Illini Enquirer podcast. Whether you're attending Illinois games in person or watching from home, you have to look the part of an Illini fan. And that's why we've partnered with Homefield Apparel to get you looking like a true Illini fan on game days. Homefield is a premium collegiate apparel brand based in Indianapolis. They emphasize their commitment to creating incredibly comfortable, officially licensed apparel with vintage college designs. The great part about Homefield is their designs are super unique because they delve into the archives and history of each school, including Illinois, to use unique logos and iconic moments to create thoughtfully designed apparel. So if you go to homefieldapparel.com and check out the Illinois gear, you'll see the 80s Illini helmet that a lot of you love. You'll see the flying Illini logo, which is fantastic, by the way. You'll see the 2004-2005 Illinois basketball logo that everyone holds dear. And you'll see some original stuff as well. The the Fighting Illini orange ringer tee is really cool as well. So you can check them out at homefieldapparel.com where you can see their Illini collection available. Guess what? Our listeners get 15% off their first order with the discount code Illini23. Again, go to homefieldapparel.com, use coupon code Illini23 to get 15% off your first order. It's the perfect apparel for this football season, so check them out at homefieldapparel.com. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. 
old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Time to get some insight on Florida Atlantic, the Owls from Zach Weinberger from the Palm Beach Post. Zach, thanks for joining us, man. How are you? Absolutely. Listen, it's going to be an interesting uh, weekend of football, and obviously FAU in Illinois, it's going to be one to watch. So I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah, so let's talk about Tom Herman, a name we're familiar with, obviously, because he was at Ohio State when uh, they won a national championship. Uh, but a third big-name hire in a row after his time at Texas and Houston, uh, following Lane Kiffin and then Willie Taggart. So what kind of program did Tom Herman take over, and, and what were kind of expectations coming into this season? Yeah, you know, listen, he, uh, he he took a program that's easily, to me, on the rise. It was inevitable that they were going to make a jump in conferences. So when they joined the American, uh, it just seemed sort of like likely that was going to happen when it came to what Lane Kiffin built here and even far back when what Howard Schnellenberger built here, you know, to start off this program. Um, but listen, you know, especially going into the American, especially with the success that the basketball team had, uh, obviously FAU now is on the map. So what are they going to do with that opportunity? Uh, especially in the first season in the American Conference. They want to get a big name and head coach since Willie Taggart. It's, it's been a disappointing era there the past couple of years. So they get Tom Herman, a proven winner, had a, high, a little hiatus in college football working as an analyst and even in working with the Chicago Bears uh, for that one year. But, um, listen, he brings a winning mentality. He's bringing in some people in here, whether it be Charlie Fry, bringing back Rock Bellantani's D.C., uh, bringing in a guy like Casey Thompson who went down and we'll probably talk about that yeah. as well but you know still bringing in names and, and recruiting uh, in, in a great way because again not only do you now have the South Florida hotbed but he has experience working the Texas hotbed so right. it, listen I, I think in the long run it's going to be great and obviously there's fans now that are you know worrying because of everything now but um, the program is still on the rise. So you mentioned it, Casey Thompson, another name we know well, got hurt last year against Illinois in a loss uh, in Lincoln, but uh, that's a big injury. Obviously, very talented quarterback, played at Texas, played at Nebraska. So what now for FAU at quarterback? What are you expecting on Saturday? Yeah, so listen, it's going to be Daniel Richardson, you know, because again, before uh, FAU got Thompson in May, Daniel Richardson was the guy in the spring, and he was the guy during the spring game as well. He looked like QB1. Uh, really was fully expecting him to be the starter, uh, you know, under center if Casey hadn't come here. So, uh, listen, he has the built-in chemistry with the guys. There's no question. Every player has spoken so highly of him. Just speaking to LeJonte Wester the other day, again, he this is a guy that not only do they know him on the field, but off the field as well. That That's how much acclimated he's been. He's also also a South Florida guy. So it's been an inter- a seamless transition with Florida Atlantic. So he looks sharp. He looks comfortable. Uh, we'll see if that translates to the you know big game atmosphere. He's going to feel Saturday in, you know, in Champaign, Illinois. But um, again, fans shouldn't really expect a huge drop-off, in my opinion. I mean, I'm more talking about how the team is going to look more into conference play. I think we're going to see some growing pains on Saturday for sure. Uh, but really, Daniel Richardson has earned the spot to be the guy because you know he had that since the spring. Yeah, a ton of experience uh, at Central Michigan, uh, and obviously a little undersized, but but a good passer. But what do they? What does he bring to the field? And what do they like to do offensively? Like what kind of offense does Tom Herman and, and Charlie Fry like to run? Well, he's he's a very poised guy, you know, especially in the pocket, and especially when it comes when it comes to that you know experienced offensive line coached by Ed Warner. I think you know again he's going to have time to throw the football, especially in conference play. 
Uh, you know, it's a very fast-paced offense. They like to run spread a lot. They have some speed at the receiver position that they like to go to. Obviously, Jaquan Burton was a huge part of that, but I, he's still in concussion protocol, so his uh, his status for Saturday is a little in, in, up in the air. But a guy like Lejonte Wester, you have a, a three-headed, uh, you know, sort of, thing at running back with Larry McCammon and Kobe Lewis and very mobile each guy who could run for a thousand yards if they wanted to uh they're banged up so we'll have to see who kind of fills in for that if guys like you know Kayvon Walker or Robert Armets might fill in there but Larry looks good to go so it, it's a it's on paper before the season the offense was going to be something that was very exciting but Besides the you know the, the win against Monmouth, which an FCS team you should beat them, they look very disappointed against Ohio. Clemson, you know, again personally, I didn't really expect them to win that game anyways. Right. So there's a I think there's a lot of there's a chip on the shoulder of the offense to kind of get going here, especially against a huge team like Illinois and, and as you get into conference play. So Charlie Fry's offense, you know, they rely a lot on on the quarterback on the quarterback just being a pocket passer. We haven't really seen a lot of mobility from the position when Casey was there and now with them. But um, again, it's like this—it's like the offense you saw with when he coached the, the Dolphins and Tua, and especially in Penn State and other places he's been at. So uh, it, it could be a very successful offense, but we have yet to see it. You mentioned McCammon, Larry McCammon, a really talented running back. I, I think Phil Steele had him first team All AAC um, going into the year. What's it mean if he does play or if he doesn't play? It's huge if he plays. Now, I, you could see it both ways because I've seen a lot of fans tell me that they might want. Larry to rest because again even though this is a huge game against Illinois the most important games are in conference you know when you, when you start against Tulsa so it's 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 a little bit of a, of a, a back and forth there so we'll see what the coaches do on Saturday but if Larry plays it's just a huge huge weight lifted especially for Daniel Richardson you want you don't want to rely so much on his first game back You're just kind of kind of thrown in there to kind of you know this offense really likes to go very balanced and that was one of the bad things about the, the loss to Ohio. They only ran the ball 11 times, and that's their strength. And that was really a close game. The game script didn't ask them to throw that much. So it's it, it's going to be interesting. But, again, if he plays, and we'll see if Kobe and Zuberi play as well. Zuberi's probably not going to. But if Kobe plays, that's going to be huge uh, for, for Daniel Richardson because, again, it's a little bit of weight lifted off the shoulders. Illinois has a slot receiver, number one, Isaiah Williams, who's really dynamic. Um, so so does FAU. Number one, wide receiver, slot receiver, LaJonte Wester. He's legit. Uh, watching those games, this kid, undersized, but but really quick, had a big game against Purdue, has had two back-to-back 100-yard games. What's he mean to their offense? He means a lot because, listen, I mean, it, even the past couple of years, because I think now after the game against Clemson, he's – the program leader for the most receptions ever. And that's the type of guy he is. He can work all over the field, whether it be on the outside, but really he lives in the slot there. He gets a lot of receptions, can go off for a lot of yak as well. So he means a lot. But, you know, I I would also say that, you know, the receiver position has been sort of maybe a detriment to this team the past couple of years. You know, I don't want to remind FAU fans of the game against Marshall last season or other games where, like, so many drop passes of, of missed opportunities here you got guys like Tony Johnson, and even besides Jaquan Burton, Jamichi Hester, uh, and you know BJ Alexander. There's actually some depth there now at a receiver that could possibly uh, help Richardson, you know, especially in the future. So, but Lejonte Wester, like you said, he's legit, you know, and, and you can just any coach during the spring and whether whether it was the Taggart regime or the Herman regime, they always cite Wester as having that work ethic that just stands out from the rest. So he's a baller, and he should show that Saturday. Yeah, he pops off the screen, that, that's for sure. Uh, Illinois, I know Clemson has had a great history of defensive line play. Illinois is a very talented defensive front. How is FAU in the trenches on the offense? 
The offensive line, again, they were very experienced and they really dominated Conference USA, and I, and I think they're going to hold up against the in the American. Now, again, that Illinois defensive line, like you said, that was something that I'm very worried about going into Saturday because, you know, we've seen the experience uh, against these teams that are on the same level, but what about an Illinois defensive line? So they're going to have their work cut out for them, but if there's any person that I'm going to trust to kind of get them into shape for Saturday, it's it's Coach Ed Warner. You know, and again, when you just even watching him in practice, like, you know, face-to-face, just, you know, first person, uh, he works those guys like crazy and it results in, in really pr- productive seasons. Uh, and there's a lot of experience there, like I said. So they, they have their work cut out for them, you know, and, and I would say, especially in the trenches on the defensive side, the defensive line for FAU, is stellar, and maybe we're going to talk about it a little yeah. later. But Evan Anderson is one that also pops off the screen. Yeah, uh, Ed Warner, by the way, uh, on Ron Zook's Illinois staff uh, back in the day. Uh, but defense, they do have some stout guys uh, up front. And Illinois' offense has has struggled, or they struggled really last week. Had five turnovers last week. So, what have you seen from this FAU defense? What's their strengths? What, what are some question areas? Yes, you know, going into the season, I was actually a little worried about some areas, whether it be the DBs and the linebackers and especially when you know during the first week and we've seen injury sort of problems throughout the first couple of weeks Armani Eli Adams one of the studs heading to a season uh, he's out for like eight weeks you know he had a concussion protocol the first week and then he, he had some uh, injuries with his leg the next week so that's you know rough you're gonna miss him obviously you're hoping that smoke mungeon uh, can really fill in for that but you know who's gonna step up a guy like Jaden Williams really stepped up last season as a rookie can he do it again the linebacker position, Jackson Ambush, an Albany State uh, transfer, he's really stepped off the screen, you know, and obviously he's uh, he's been very productive. But even besides that, we're kind of waiting on people, whether it be like an Eddie Williams or a Jalen Wester to kind of improve. But, again, that defensive line is, is legit, uh, even because even besides the game record that he is in Evan Anderson, you have guys like Jacob Merrifield and Latrell Jean, the Carrius Hawthorne. The list goes on. I, I mean, you know, Jaden Wheeler. I mean, they have so much depth there at defensive line that can make things very interesting and possibly hasty for the Illinois offense. So if they can get by the Illinois offensive line, it could be a very frustrating day and cause some upset alerts type of stuff. But we have to see it first on screen. I'm not entirely sure if they're going to do it. But if if there is a group that's the pure strength, it's a defensive line. So FAU went into Purdue last year and, and gave them a real scare, a two-point yeah. conversion away from forcing overtime. Uh, so Illinois – is not good enough yet uh, to, to feel comfortable. Uh, they are the better team, 14-point spread here. But wh- what is the key to FAU giving Illinois a scare and potentially putting them on upset over? Yeah, and just kind of what I alluded to earlier, you know, again, pressure on the quarterback. Pr- pressure, pressure, pressure. You have to start off hot on both sides of the ball. The offense, you have to throw something at them quickly. You can't just do a couple three and now to start the game of pick six like they did against Clemson. You know, you really got to start hot here on both sides of the ball. Because even if Illinois has their has their flaws, like I've seen, um, they could still outmatch you and they can still make things a little ugly or very early. So again, FAU, especially with you know again new quarterback into the system, maybe that can show Illinois and, and surprise them at first. That you know again they were planning for Casey Thompson. Now they got Daniel Richardson, and they can see what happens. But the keys to the game is definitely pressure the quarterback, start start fast on offense, and possibly you possibly we got a game. Yeah. What's this game mean for FAU? Uh, it, it, in my opinion, you know, I don't think it means that much. Obviously, if they win, it's a huge win over a huge game, a, a huge opponent like Illinois. It would mean so much. But if they lose, it's another loss in a money game yeah. that, you know, again, that we've seen before. Like, again, the 
my worries that I have with these money games, and we, we saw it against Clemson, is that you lose guys. You know, ho- hopefully you don't want to lose guys, and that's exactly what happened in the worst scenario possible. Um, so, again, it would be awesome. And, and it, it's not like they're going to go in and just not try against Illinois. Obviously not. But from a from a journalism standpoint and just from a you know, person watching football, the, the most important games happen in conference. And hopefully this game can really kind of battle test them, especially when you get into the conference as well. So, But, again, if it's a win against Illinois, I know fans are going to be really high on this team because they're really low right now. Yeah. Well, Illinois is also playing FAU in basketball this year in the Jimmy V Classic on December 5th at Madison Square Garden. Uh, Zach, just take us through what that run was like to watch Florida Atlantic uh, and probably get as far as they did into the Final Four. Like, what that, what does that program or what did that run mean for that athletics program? I mean, I, I don't think it's that arguable. It, it, it's the greatest athletic season in FAU history, bar none, in my opinion. And they didn't even win the national championship, right? But listen, I, I knew the team was going to improve. I, I, I had them also really in contention to win the conference, U, conference USA last season. That was a tough conference. Now, did I think that they were going to reach the Final Four? I did not. Um, but it, it, it was insane, especially kind of being there and traveling to New York and Madison Square Garden for the Sweet 16, the Elite Eight games. Uh, and then going to Houston, the Final Four, just seeing the atmosphere. Like, FAU, they were ready for it. and But also, you can tell that people just, you know, they, they had them already ridden off as a, as a Cinderella team. But really, if you look at them, I mean, they're a good team mm-hmm. with a pretty good head coach. And they're, they're going to make some noise again next year, hopefully. I mean, I don't know if fans should have the high hopes of them reaching the Final Four again. You know, I because I always say this, focus on winning the conference you know, you're going into the American in their first season. I think they have a good shot of doing it. Um, but what it meant for the school was so much. Put so much eyes on the product, so much kind of revenue into the athletics program and into the school in general. It just, there was nothing but good that came out of that. But again, it's just, it, it was one to witness. And FAU fans, I know they're going to treasure that forever. What would you, I mean, they were able to keep the coach, which is rare, right? Um, you're able to keep Dusty May and keep most of the team. <laughs> so I would imagine expectations, and, and this is a big opportunity against Illinois and Madison Square Garden. Uh, this is going to be a lot of fun, I would imagine. People are pretty excited about not only that game, but this season. No, absolutely. And I, that was a huge thing. One, you know, there's like a checklist. One, can you keep Dusty May? You did that. You lock him in. Two, can you keep the big players, whether it be an Elijah Martin, a Janelle Davis that really drove them at that last season? They did that. I'm not sure how they did it, but they did it. Um, and then even just other guys like a, a Vlad Golden, a Giancarlo Rosado, and just keeping the young players that really could possibly jump into next season. Because, again, it's like, you know, I don't think they have the same ceiling as they do. You have other guys there that have, were just starting to get it, you know, witness into the system, and now they're going to be better next season. So it, it's going to be interesting. And, again, if, if there's one person that's going to rally the troops and hopefully contend again, it's going to be Dusty May, Elijah Martin, Janelle Davis, and company. So, it's huge that they kind of have one more go around, and again, I think it's because they had they were so close to going to the to the championship game, like literally yeah. the last shot close, and they, they want to do it again. The high is there, um, and it, again, it, it's going to be an interesting season next season. Well, Zach, we might have to catch up before that game. Uh, it could be a big one for both these teams. Uh, but Zach Weinberger, Palm Bird Beach Post, appreciate the time, man. Enjoy the rest of the season. Thank you so much. Even though this is a college football podcast, I'm going to guess that a lot of you are NFL fans as well. And as you know, the NFL is officially back. So a lot of your Sundays are now filled watching games. And a big part of those 
is fantasy football. That's why we've partnered with Underdog Fantasy for this football season. Underdog Fantasy is the easiest place to play fantasy sports. And guess what? It's also the fastest growing fantasy app in the industry. Underdog Fantasy has a lot to offer, including their Pick'em game. In Pick'em, you pick whether your favorite players will have a higher or lower stat in this week's game for a chance to win big. It's so easy to play. Just pick two to five stats of your favorite players and choose whether they'll go higher or lower. So say you're watching the 49ers against the Giants on Thursday night. You can pick whether Brock Purdy or Christian McCaffrey will go higher or lower in certain stat categories. And you can 20 times your money by going five for five. So sign up today with promo code Illini and get your first deposit doubled up to $100. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the app store. And don't forget to register with our promo code Illini to get your first deposit doubled up to $100. Must be 18 or older and present in a state where Underdog Fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play? Call 1-800-522-4700 or visit W www.ncpgambling.org. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does. <laughs> Nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's talk some Illinois side of the FAU matchup with our guy, Joey Wagner. Joey, how are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. It's been, uh, feels like this season's been a year already. <laughs> yeah, uh, so this, is a, this is a big game for, for this team to gain some confidence, but I think also for this fan base to gain some confidence. Because we know the schedule was difficult, but uh, I predicted one and two. I did not predict one and two to be this this difficult or, or this not as encouraging if that makes sense i don't know if those words made sense uh yeah I, I know what you're saying i think obviously kansas was the least encouraging of the whole lot of it right um but i thought penn state was more encouraging than i would have guessed a month ago probably the first two games really to be honest with you toledo you were so close to losing yeah i mean I don't know. I mean, I, I left the stadium feeling better about Illinois Saturday than I thought I would. I mean, I wanted to say than any of the previous two weeks, which is, of course. Um, but then I thought I would. I Offensively, it was a wreck. But I think there were so many things that just are unlikely to happen twice. Um, four picks. And, but I think the way the defense turned around, and let's just call it what it is. You're not seeing a dual-threat quarterback feels like it is the difference for this defense. And when that defense goes, everything else goes. Yeah. All right, so we're going to go over – I got six topics. If we want to go beyond that, we'll do our pick-to-click. So have that in mind, Joey. Be working through that before we get out of here. Always forget. Yeah, I, I thought about it as I was mowing the grass this morning, and I haven't thought about it since. So I haven't even picked mine. So uh, no worries. The number one topic of, of this game is Florida is uh, against Florida Atlantic. It's not about Florida Atlantic. It's about your quarterback, Luke Altmaier, who looked fantastic through two games. Made a couple mistakes, but bounced back from them. Uh, he, he fell into the Shane Falco quicksand. Joey doesn't understand that, but hopefully everyone else does. And he just could not bounce back from the mistakes and just kept making mistakes. Do you expect Luke Altmaier to bounce back? Do you just bring up movie references just for a little reminder every week that I don't watch a lot of movies? Maybe. That's great. I hope you do. I deserve it. Uh, yeah, I do expect Luke Altmaier to bounce back. He, 
I, those first two games are more of a picture of who he is than that game against Penn State. Um, the first pick he didn't see, the linebacker. That, that was the first one. The second one was an underthrow. And then after that, it felt forced. It felt like he was forcing that pass down the sidelines to third, and as we both agree, the most critical interception that he threw all game. And the fourth was a got to do something, we're sinking here type of interception. I, I, I think he's too poised to have two of those back-to-back. I thought you phrased it better than I could have or better than I did after the game. We said he had a month worth of struggles in one game. So, yeah, I mean, I, four interception games just don't happen very often. They don't happen for Brad Bielema teams. They, they don't happen of all the places. To not have, they don't happen in Illinois very often. Uh, it's just it's one of those things that I think getting him out of there when they did mattered. It's just to, to sh- mentally shut it down, refocus. I think talent wins. Right, talent wins out. I, I think that's an easy one to say. Hey, flush it and move along. What's that look like? I don't know. Yeah, and it might still include an interception or two. Let's just be honest with with each other here. Um, yeah, but I don't think it'll be like a deflating four picks or three picks. Yeah, kind of coming into the season, Tommy DeVito was unbelievable at avoiding those big mistakes. Right, five interceptions in as many snaps as he had was was ridiculous. I kind of expected double-digit interceptions this year. Those are the growing pains I expected. He's very close to that number already, but he can't think about that. Those don't matter anymore. It doesn't matter if, if at the end of the day you're still one of the most picked-off quarterbacks, because you will be. You'll be. After a four-interception game in week three, that doesn't matter. What matters is you give your team the best chance to succeed the next game. And I've been really impressed with Luke. He is a thinker, right? So that that can make you worry a little bit. Like Tommy DeVito, if he had a four pick game, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have worried about him. <laughs> I, I just think he has that kind of confidence in himself. This is very early in Luke Altmyer's career, his fifth game as a starter. So that's what we got to find out. I, I thought the first couple games we found out about his mental toughness because he did make some mistakes. He made one of those mistakes in each of the first two games, but he's able to bounce back from it and not make those mistakes again. Albeit, he wasn't playing Penn State. Now, FAU is not Penn State, uh, so I think this is a nice bounce-back game for him. I think he can use his legs more in this game uh, as long as he's fully healthy, which he he got nicked up in that game with that low hit. But uh, I just think he doesn't have to do too much. He was trying to do too much last week because he knew he was playing the number 7 team in the country. They were down 9, and they made a big play, and he wanted to get them within two points. Uh, And I think he was just trying to do too much. And then, you know, third and 19, dude, like you can't do anything. Like, you're not going to be able to do anything. Maybe maybe Barry Lundy should have just ran the ball there, right? And, and just took it out of his quarterback's hand and said, let's get out of here. Let's live to play another day. Um, but I do think it's it's a big week for Barry Lundy Jr. and Brett Bielma. And the way they've handled it, through us at least, I think sounds encouraging because they're not hiding that Luke Altmaier had a bad game. No, the offensive line and receivers didn't play all that well, but Luke Altmaier had a bad game. And he has to accept that. They have to accept that and just make sure it doesn't happen again. Um, I think they have to acknowledge that. They seem like they have. And then correct it. And I think I asked Barry Oney, do you have to treat this week any differently than any week you have before? And, of course, there's certain things. you got to address certain things. But you just find out what I did wrong and correct it. And we'll see if they can do that. I expect them to be better. I don't expect a four-interception game again. But you do want them to have some success early, and I think that's up to Barry Lonnie to figure that out. It's up to the offensive line to give him some running room, to get him up in, in good situations. Uh, so that I think that's going to be key early to see what Barry Lonnie calls 
If he calls a dinks and dunks, or does he just air it out right away to get his confidence back? That's what I'm interested to see. Yeah, that's a really good point. This will be our first real visual evidence of what it, you know, what Luke gets going with, and that's that's a really good point. I also think it's going to help that they're probably going to run the ball. They're, I don't expect them to get in a, a massive deficit. I think they'll be able to run the ball, and I think not putting everything on the shoulders of Luke Altmaier, which, let's be honest, it has been in these first three games, the way that the games have played out. Just, I, I think that'll help. We talked all offseason about the, the talent around him should help lift him. And I think this game, especially coming off what he's coming off of, will help him just kind of settle in and let Reggie love and pick another running back. I'm sure we'll discuss that later, uh, get going, and then just kind of let him manage it and, and just get some, some mojo back. I think a good game for Luke Altmaier would be one turnover would be fine. If you have one turnover, that's fine. But just get back to your 60-plus percent completion. Don't make any big mistakes and, and run the football a little bit. I think he's going to have a lot of opportunity to run the football. So um, just play within yourself. He doesn't have to doesn't have to beat FAU by himself. I, I would think he knows that. Yeah, I think this is right. A turnover, a couple touchdowns, probably 180 passing yards go with 40 rushing yards right like that that feels like a very luke altmeyer what they need out of him game uh getting ready to really get into big 10 play i'm gonna say with the offense okay barry Lonnie made mention of this he's made mention of it the last two weeks brett bielma's made mention of it the last two weeks i think i've asked about him <laughs> the last two weeks so maybe that's why why is this offense still searching for an identity joey i think it's because they haven't been able to run the ball effectively in the course of a game enough I mean, I think Reggie Love should have had more than 12 carries in that game. That's just – you could write off Toledo. You could write off Kansas as they got to get their quarterback to throw it around and get it in there. I just think they haven't been able to run the ball effectively. And we know for as much as Barry Lunny likes the RPOs and, and all of this, this team's belief is rooted in running the football, and they've not done that enough to let everything play off of it like they need to some of that probably comes down to maybe luke altmeyer needs to hand it off in some of these rp like yeah. there's probably a lot of factors but i think the key is they, they just they've not been able to run well the offensive line hasn't been consistent as run blockers they've been in holes whether it be the defense or just stalled offenses if they can get that going i think you'll see an identity start to take shape a little bit more yeah let's see they have i guess 92 runs to 99 passes that that seems balanced but it, it just hasn't been and, it doesn't feel like that yeah and, and part of part of that is is the way they've gotten behind part of that's on the offense but a lot the defense really struggled the first two weeks um but i think it's a lot to do with the offensive line joey this, this offensive line is struggling more than we expected to whether it's getting that push in the run game whether it's protecting Luke Altmaier. Uh, I think they thought this offensive line would be better than it is because I think every week I think I had a C minus, an F, and like a D minus for this offensive line or two Ds for this D in my position grades. I did not expect that for a group that's got Isaiah Adams, uh, Julian Pearl, Zy Chrysler, and, and to be honest with you, just Bart Miller and, and Brett Bielema. Like I know they had some recruiting issues. They had to really recruit Juco and transfers to, to kind of overcome that, but. I still thought this offensive line would be better. This is a week to show that. Because, listen, FAU's got a pretty good defensive line, I think, for the American Athletic Conference. This is – they're pretty good against the run. They are not that explosive. And this is a week that, that Illinois needs to get a push up front, really establish the run game. I have been encouraged at times the last two weeks. And what we've seen – listen, I think Penn State's one of the better defenses in the country. Um, 
but I, I think this is the week you got to establish that. You know, you've had a week where you changed. You've had a week where these guys are all together. Uh, Isaiah Adams, Zy Chrysler, maybe more comfortable now. But now it's time. Uh, the interior really needs to step up. I think Josh Kruitz has been really solid, but the guard play needs to improve. And, and Isaiah Adams, I, I think, will be really good. But this offensive line, before you get into Big Ten play and go up against Big Ten defensive lines week in and week out, they have to establish themselves. And, and then Barry, it's a big week for him just to script this. We had a great script. He had a great script against Toledo. Didn't work against Kansas. First drive did go pretty well against uh, Penn State. But after the script, it just has never seemed to, to kind of just get into a rhythm. Um, so I think that's on him. Like when the game doesn't go the way you plan, you still got to put together a plan that puts your uh, players in position to succeed. So I think that's important for Barracks. I do think his script is usually pretty good. It's been better more than not early in the game. But when the game kind of goes away from him, does he have the players to, to, to make up for a, a deficit? I'm not sure. But getting an early lead would, would probably help this team. It would, and you're right. You look at those, you can go back, it's probably something I ought to do. Look at the third, fourth, fifth drives in those first three games, and it just feels like it hits a wall. And it's three and outs, or as we saw on Saturday, turnover, turnover, turnover. I mean, that that doesn't, I guess it doesn't really at that point matter what your script is. If, right. if you're, you know, having those turnovers. But I, I think that's exactly right, Jeremy. Those first drives, especially the last two weeks, you think, oh, maybe they've got something no, it would have been the first week and the third week. The first drive against Toledo. Remember how good that was? They had yep. Isaiah Williams doing everything. Uh, they moved it against Penn State. But, yeah, I, I'm with you. It's a big week for Barry Lunning. I think it's just, uh, you know, last week I thought, and you think about the Ryan Walters years, what they did, like they didn't care what the other team was doing. It was like, we are going to determine what you guys do. It just sometimes feels like Illinois' offense has not been that. And I think, is it the talent thing? Is it the offensive line? Is it the play call? I think it's a little bit of all those things, uh, but they got to figure it out. And I think it does start with the run game. Like, that's what their identity wants to be. Like, yeah, no, they don't want to be 2001 or 2006 Wisconsin, but I do think they want to mesh that spread RPO. Barry's got some really creative plays that I really like, but you got to be able to run the football to make those plays a little bit more surprising uh, for the defense. And I think that's why just establishing that run game, man, if you could get a Josh McCray or Caden Fagan going in and give you some physicality, that would certainly help. Yeah, I agree. I, I think one of my bigger questions going into this is who gets the second most carries at running back? Uh, because I think, I, I hope I'm right in the sense that they're going to run more than they've run in these first three weeks. I mean, they, they just haven't sustained – Rushing uh, uh, with again the most egregious coming at Kansas with the they were moving it right and then they bring in Griffin Moore for that play and you think hey just keep going with what's working uh, but who who's the second back here Jeremy because that's I think that's a fair question through three mm -hmm. games of the season I agree uh, be interesting to see if Caden Fagan gets uh, five to ten uh, or if Josh McCray they this might be a game we try to get Josh McCray's confidence going but it. I think the leash has got to be a little bit shorter here moving forward. But, yeah, for Illinois to have two games under 30 carries is is odd. Uh, that, that's pretty odd for this team. What's the ideal breakdown for you? Like 17 for Reggie Love? Well, you'd run, love to run 65, 70 plays in a game, right? Um, I, yeah, I, I think for Reggie Love to get 15 to 20 is fine. Uh, if he's running it well, I think he's probably more of a 15 guy. Uh, and then – 
Josh McCray gets a handful, Caden Fagan gets a handful, and Luke Altmyer needs to get involved. He needs to be involved in the run game because he is a really good weapon there. All right, let's move to defense here, Joey. Matthew Bailey, man, feel for this kid, out for the season. Only played 22 snaps in that game against Penn State. Uh, had the shoulder injury that is going to require surgery, and he is out for the season. The one good piece of news is, I mean, he could have medically redshirted potentially anyway, but he will get a redshirt there. But Demetrius Hill, also out for the season. He's kind of physically similar to Matthew Bailey, but he was on the third string, it seemed like. But still, they are thin at safety. How big of a blow are those two injuries to the Illini secondary? Depth more than anything. It's a blow. And I say that knowing how good Matthew Bailey looked in his 22 snaps. I mean, he looked like a guy they've been hyping up all offseason, like, like a difference maker back there in the secondary. Like He had built on a really, really strong freshman year. But the reality is, is he's only played 22 snaps. So you don't have to, in one week, find a – I mean, he did start, right? But you have somebody who started those first two games. This isn't, oh, my goodness, oh, my goodness, you know, our, our starter for the first three games is out. You do have Clayton Bush who, who started those games. So I, I think that helps in a weird way. Obviously, you would like to have Matthew Bailey back there, but to just be able to kind of revert back to what you did those first two weeks and rhythm-wise, routine-wise for for Clayton Bush, that doesn't change. But depth-wise, kind of playing with fire a little bit. It's very, very cornerback-like down the stretch of last year where it's like one more injury, be it Miles Scott, be it Clayton Bush, uh, you're looking at possibly Macrosetich, a true freshman who, who's going to come in and get playing time. I know Brett Bieleman mentioned his name along with Nicario Harper. Uh, so I think in terms of your, your starting personnel, you can survive it because you kind of survived the first mm, – I say kind you kind of didn't survive the first two games. But you like you, you have a guy who started games with depth-wise. I'm, I, it's concerning. Joe, if I quoted Adam Sandler, would you know the – the reference like are you well enough aware of adam sandler movies to know i have enough i have enough of an idea with clayton bush i just keep thinking of glad i called that guy because i mean we're kind of oh they need another safety is is matthew bailey still hurt are they not as high on nicario harper i think it could be both those things i think it ended up being both of those things he had his best game against penn state but matthew bailey was noticeably more impactful against the run than any of the other safeties uh and his ability i mean his size he was taking on blockers you know on offensive line that's why he got injured is he took on an offensive lineman and got uh, piled on on the first play but he made a great play and then he made another great play at the goal line taking on i think it was olu fashanu he was great setting the edge, getting his gap, and that had been a huge issue through the first couple of weeks was some of the safety run fits weren't very good. They're going to miss that. They don't have that, but I did think Clayton Bush played really well last week. He was physical. He's not as big as Matthew Bailey, but I thought he played well. But now this is where Nicario Harper is going to have to step up now. Um, you know, Former FCS All-American, transfers to Louisville, did not really play there at all, which is why there were some question marks when they got him. But now he's the guy that's rotated in here recently. If there is an injury to Clayton Bush, Nicario Harper's your guy, and then Macrosetich is, is right there. So, um, man, I, I thought Matthew Bailey could have really helped this defense and given me more confidence about them moving forward. I, I think I got confidence in this defense moving forward because of the front. 
But if you had Matthew Bailey, I think this team would have been really strong against the run. But yeah, not just can't afford many more injuries, man. But but good thing you did address this position in the transfer portal. We'll see what Clayton Bush and Akario Harper have moving forward. Yeah, the, I, I don't want to minimize the best way. Like you don't want to minimize the loss of Matthew Bailey. He's a good football player. Somebody who's, who's probably going to have a chance to make money doing this. Uh, but I think the, the best way I can put it is like you're not in scramble mode right now to try to find a replacement. That's it doesn't make up for the loss of Matthew Bailey, but it helps ease that where you've got a guy who's kind of been there and done that. Sticking with the defense, will Illinois have a top ten pick for a second straight year, Joey? And I'm talking about Johnny Newton following Devin Witherspoon, of course. It's a good question. I just looked. PFF has him as seven on their big board. Uh, Matt Miller at ESPN has him number one among defensive tackles. He has been, I, you know, Jeremy, we're old enough to remember the alarm sounding after the Toledo game <laughs> in, in the fan base. So he was he was reading press clippings and whatever other unbelievable narratives were being thrown out there about him. But, dude, he, he, he's been straight-up dominant. He was the best player on the field on Saturday against Penn State with a lot of pros. By far. A lot of pros. And he is – maybe – I don't know. I mean, you, you talked to him not, today, right? I did, and he said, "Let me scroll up here. I can't click. You get mad at me when I click." No, you can, cl- you can click. <laughs> just don't, <laughs> don't do it while I'm talking. You just. <laughs> All I want to show is dominance every play. Someone who's unblockable. Check, check. That I'm one of the best prospects in the draft and doing whatever I can to help this team win. Check, check, check. Right? I mean, it seems a lot like he's he's done all those things, and there's a. Aaron Henry mentioned it. Terrence Jameson, when I talked to him yesterday, mentioned it. They, they said they did a study, and I really wish I had followed up more about this. That he's better as the game goes on. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's, let's well, I, I bet everyone else gets worse. I think he doesn't get – I, I bet right. he doesn't it, get worse, and the other offensive linemen do, so he gets better. Well, Johnny was asked about that, and – he said, as the game keeps going, I start to get a feel for everything, and it starts to slow down for me in a sense. I can tell which plays are coming, and I'll yell out their plays before they even snap the ball. That's very on brand for Johnny Newton. Yeah. feels like everything starts to slow down for me, and once the, key, the game keeps going, I just keep getting hotter and hotter. Well, notice these are the PFF snaps, according to, uh, according to PFF, the snaps for Johnny Newton. 58 the first week against Toledo. Notably, like, I think Seb McConnell had like 30. Bryce Barnes had like 30. Kansas, 62. Penn State, 74. They could have taken him out. Brett Bielma or Aaron Henry, was it? Said he didn't want to come out. And maybe he was just having such a good game. He's like, man, I'm going to keep working in front of these scouts. But I think it's just he he wanted the defense to succeed. He he wanted to keep Illinois in the game. And um, I I think you don't need to take him off the field that much. I, I think he is built different. Sure, you worry a little bit um, towards the end of a season, but, man, they need to win games, and I would expect Johnny Newton to play 90% of the snaps moving forward because he's so good and he doesn't get worse. I asked Terrence Jamison about that. I said, what's the balance when you're, you're being cognizant of his snaps, but also he's the best player on the football field, and he's right now giving you the best chance to win? And he he brought up that study and – he said he, you know, we want to manage him and keep him fresh, but he's a guy who improves as the game goes on. He gets a feel for it, gets a feel for his matchup, it plays to his advantage. 
yeah, I think as it gets less brutally hot, maybe those concerns will ease up. I know that was some of the conversation after Toledo and Kansas, whether it's, it's very, very warm, as it typically is. In It'll be warm this weekend. Saturday's going to be hot. But I, I just – the production's there. You yeah. can't interrupt the production of, of what he does and, and the impact he has on your football team. So it's hard for me to think that that heavy, like, hockey sub-rotation that we saw mostly in week one will continue. To answer the question from me, I don't know if he's a top 10 pick because he's an undersized three technique. He doesn't have the Leonard Williams length. He does not Jalen Carter quite built. But production-wise, I mean, he's he's got a chance at, what is it, the Outland Trophy for the best interior lineman? Uh, he's got a chance at that. Like he He's uh, he's better than Kalijah Kansi in my opinion. And Kalaja Kansi was a top 20 pick. So if you told me, will they have a top 20 pick in back-to-back years? I think so. I do. I, I really do. Uh, with the way he's playing, if he continues this level of play in Big Ten play, and I think he will, and what he did to Penn State was just ridiculous. Just just ridiculous. We broke it down with Jay Lehman's film room. Like His get-off, his strength, his his technique is is just phenomenal. So uh, I don't know if he's going to be top 10 just based on the, the position and, and some of his measurables, but He's one of the best football players in the country. So Illinois got that for him moving forward. And, and I do think this week against FAU with him, Seth Coleman, Gabe Ackes, if, if Keith Randolph's healthier, I think those guys have a chance for a really big game because Clemson had a really big game against them. It's a pocket passer, Joey, who happens to be five foot ten. Um, offensive line, I think, can be solid in the American Athletic Conference. It's probably the worst offensive line they've played so far this year. So what they did up front, Johnny Newton did against Penn State. FAU, if they play that way, I think it's going to be a monster day for that front five. Yeah, I agree with you. I've been sitting here trying to find his stat by quarter. That's not going to happen. But, yeah, I, I I feel confident saying he's a first-round draft pick, which doesn't feel like even a hot take or a take. Like It just yeah. feels like that's just the reality of what's going to happen. Top top 20 feels like top 10. That's tough. I mean, there was a point in early November we didn't know if Devin Witherspoon was going to be a top 10 pick. Right. I mean, so – there is still so much time that can happen, but it does feel like he's getting – he got that buzz late last season, and it feels like he's really getting a lot, a lot of that right now. All right, two more left to go. Will we see a complete game from the Illini finally, Joey? I think so. <laughs> I mean, I, I, if you're if you're Illinois and you want to go bowling and, and you want to be able to build on last year – you should be able to put a complete game together against Florida Atlantic and a team that's in the early stages of Tom Herman's a very good coach, but in the early stages of his tenure there, of his rebuild, of him putting his foot or thumbprint on that program. So there's really no reason if you want to go where you want to go and having come out of that schedule that may well include three conference championship game participants. Uh, Kansas would be the one that you'd maybe say, well, obviously Penn State, but yeah, you should. You should be able to be better coming out of that against this program. Needs to be. It needs to be. You're more talented. You have high expectations. Um, it needs to be. <laughs> you have higher paid coaches. All of it. Like this is a, this is a a big. This is actually like a bigger game for Illinois than FAU when you think about it. Um, not not win or loss, but just just to get some confidence in yourself, get some confidence outside the program. But, I mean, FAU, this is a bye game. They're gearing up for American Athletic Conference play for the first time, you know, as they went up a level, right? Um, for, for Illinois, and, and, of course, FAU's going to play hard. They're going to try and pull it off the upset. They almost did to Purdue 
last year. So they can play free. Illinois has kind of got some pressure. There's some nervousness about it, but th- this is a game they need to dominate. Like if they don't win by three plus scores or possessions, I, I, I think that'd be concerning. <laughs> like uh, I, I respect FAU as a program. I respect Tom Herman, but this is a rebuild. They have injuries already and uh, they do not have the talent Illinois has. They have some players like LaJonte Wester, big fan of him, the wide receiver. Um, you know, they're running back if healthy. Larry McCammon's pretty good. But this is a game where if you feel like you, even in the Big Ten West, like you need to handle your business here and, and play a complete game. And that's not the players, but I, I think it's a, it's a big one for the coaching staff. So I liked what I saw from Aaron Henry uh, for the offensive side. I think it's a, a big week. Number two, or last one here, will Brett Bielema be aggressive in the transfer portal more? next offseason i brought this because this was kind of a conversation we were having before the press conference and i I thought this is a worthy conversation uh long term to discuss yeah it's he needs to be at a few key positions um defensive line really right i mean maybe offensive line well let's recap because outside of quarterback he hasn't gone heavy at power five guys going to get power five guys in the portal he's kind of gotten these under the radar guys he, we've asked him about that. He, he doesn't make a differentiation. He just looks for players, whatever it is. But a lot of these guys are coming up from lower levels, and that, I think that can help your depth. I think next year they're going to need some some big playmakers, especially on the defensive line, potentially the offensive line. Do they need to go find another running back, wide receiver? We'll see. Probably need some safety help next year. Um, so, yeah, that's just to set up the conversation. Go ahead, Joe. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that's the ideal approach. For Brett Bielma, Agreed. I think he we we agree he wants to be a development program and he wants to to build from within and, and supplement his roster, which we've largely seen him do with the, via the portal via junior college. But I also think you and I have talked to Brett Bielma enough, understand the importance of stacking seasons on top of each other, continuing to push this forward. Brett Bielma is a like a rationally confident person, and I. I do believe that they believe in their development, and I think you've seen that bear fruit. But I also don't think he's so heels dug in that he wouldn't go elsewhere if he thought that's what this team needed to continue to build forward, even if he may not entirely love the idea of that. I don't see Brett Bielma going into the portal and grabbing 15 guys from Power 5 programs who all have their individual agendas. I do think you can be aggressive – um, especially with guys who are making NIL right now. who are I, I agree with their approach of NIL. When you retain Johnny Newton, that is far better than any transfer you can get, even if it doesn't get the headlines. Like keeping those players is really important, and it will be moving forward. right? So keeping your stars in, in your program, keeping them from transferring, maybe keeping them for an extra year, as Illinois basketball has done well, Illinois football has done well, that is really, really important. Uh, more important than probably most of the portal stuff. But... You will lose Johnny Newton. You will lose like a Keith Randolph, and you are losing Isaiah Adams and, and Julian Pearl, and potentially Isaiah Williams. Right? Like, you still need. I think you can pick and choose your spots, right? Um, so I don't think Illinois is going to get into a lot of bidding wars, uh, but I do think like there's going to be some needs that I don't think are going to be able to be filled with your prep recruiting yet next year if you want to be competitive against a what we think is a tough schedule whenever that schedule comes out but if they don't change what they originally or i guess the second time they put out um it's gonna be a really tough schedule so 
I think they got to go get some D line guys who are going to start for them. Like no doubt, and we're former high level targets. And maybe now you're to the point, Joey, where you've recruited some of those guys as high school guys, right? To where you know who they are. You still got to do a lot of research because we've seen some programs that go heavy in the transfer portal. It can blow up, you know, because you don't have the heavy word culture built into the program, and that is so important to Brett Bielman. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that's been that's part of why he wants to build through their development and their recruiting. But that's just kind of where the timeline is right now in terms of what you're going to need. And, and we talked about I, I'm a big believer in maximizing your best pitch. And this offseason, at that moment in time, your best pitch, it's, it's defensive line. Because you're probably going to have a first-round draft pick in Johnny Newton. I think you and I are in agreement that Keith Randolph will probably be selected at some point in the draft, or he, it's, he will no doubt be in a training camp come next fall. That's a pitch. That is a very, very great sell. And, oh, by the way, you've got a ton of snaps to tell somebody that they can come in. You can get the development. You can get the snaps. Is it something that Brett – I don't want to speak for Brett Bielma. Would he do cartwheels about the, the thought of having to get in the portal? Probably not. But I also – I just – I think he knows what it is. And I yeah. think he knows the importance of of not having that down year in your third real breakthrough – you know, kind of building on that. If you now, this is year five or six with them. Yeah. And you've gone to bowl games three, four times in a row. Maybe I would feel differently, but I think he understands the early stages of having to get this going and maintained and, and keeping that foot on the gas. I could be wrong. Well, but I just, I, I know he's very pragmatic about a lot of that. And the other thing we got to keep in mind, the big 10 ain't getting easier because I, I saw, I saw Brandon Marcello's top 30, and ten of the six of his top ten were teams that are in the Big Ten next year because Washington, Oregon, and USC are all in there, right? So, like you, you, you gotta have talent. You gotta have talent. You gotta, you gotta add it in multiple ways. And you know, I, I will give Lovey Smith this. Like he found talent in the portal. Like that's how they got they increased their level of talent. You gotta find the right guys, of course, and you gotta continue to not have it be a problem of, of outsiders coming in. you got to be careful with that. But um, I do think, to answer the question, I do think he's got to get a little bit more aggressive this offseason, especially depending on like if, if it's 6-6 six and six or if it's 5-7. and seven, Probably going to be a, a little bit more desperate for that. But I, I do think you want to continue competing in the Big Ten. you got to have that talent. All right, FAU, Joey, who's your pick to click on offense? I've... I know the defensive front is better probably than, than they might get credit for being in their conference. I just feel like Reggie Love is getting closer and closer every game. I think this is going to be his most opportunities of the season because I think they're going to be very committed to running the football. He's shown he can be productive in that. And I think another week with the offensive line at their spots, we, we are assuming there are no changes. We will find that out prior to the game. I just, it feels like a Reggie Love, hey, carry this thing 15, maybe 20 times, get this thing moving, be our stabilizer, and let's let's just be a very business-like win. All right, if I wanted to be if I wanted to win this, I'd pick Isaiah Williams because he's going to be the guy that probably gets the most yards on this team every week. Uh, if I wanted to go kind of out of the radar, I'll go Tip Ryman. I think he needs to be targeted more, Joey. I, I think getting him involved in that flat, um, I, I think, is 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 good for Illinois. You're going Altmaier, aren't you? Oh, I'm going with the storyline. Luke Altmaier bounce back. <laughs> yeah, I, I believe in the kid. I believe in the kid uh, until he puts another one together like that. Like, 
Um, I, what I saw the first two weeks was legit, and I think he just had a bad day. So I think Lou Galtmeyer bounces back in a big way, both with his uh, arm and with his legs. Just doesn't have to do too much. So uh, I'll go with Luke Galtmeyer. Defense. What, what, what are the metrics here, by the way, for, for each of our picks? If Reggie goes 80-plus yards and a touchdown, I'd give it to you, okay. right? I think we sure. know what a Luke Altmeyer good game looks like. If Illinois gets 30-plus points, Luke Altmeyer's probably having a good game. Yep, I would fair. imagine. Um, all right. Uh, defense, I'll pick first. Big game for Xavier Scott. Well, Jonte Wester, I'm, I'm a big fan of. Their, their slot receiver, Xavier Scott, and that nickel is going to be really, really important. Uh, so I would imagine he's going to play mostly nickel as he has this year. I think it's a big game for Xavier Scott to limit LeJonte Wester, who's the only guy. McCammon, when he plays, is good. They're running back. Uh, Kobe Lewis is a Purdue transfer who got nicked up, too. Uh, but I just think the defensive front's going to give Illinois their secondary some chances. But I think Xavier Scott just limiting LeJonte Wester will be important because he's had two 100-yard games back-to-back at 100 yards and three touchdowns last year against Purdue. If you can keep that guy, uh, who usually gets like 10 touches a game, if you can keep him under 70 yards, that'd probably be a pretty good job by Xavier Scott. I, I am in the middle of deciding if I want to change my answer because FAU is kind of between a rock and a hard place here. You're with the backup quarterback, which in an ideal world, you would probably try to rely on a run game, yeah? On the road against a Power 5 team, try to get some things going on the ground. But you're going up against a defensive front that has been playing much better lately, and I, I just don't know how married you'll be to the idea of running the ball. So my initial pick, Clayton Bush, I have moved on from as you spoke. I'm going to go with Taz Nicholson. I think he's Not, none of us going for a for a pass rusher here, which I, I think this is the week that, uh, no, the pass I rush know. piece. But I like the Taz. I went with Taz last week. I just I think he's been better, probably than maybe we think. The penalties have really skewed what it, those first two games had looked like. It wasn't perfect on Saturday. He's um, been great in coverage. Phenomenal. Yeah, they don't target him a lot. You'll see Xavier Scott has far and away the most targets on this team. Yeah. They don't. The teams don't seem to have a lot of interest in throwing the way of Taz Nicholson, which isn't to try to make him out as the best cornerback in the Big Ten. It's just a reality. They're not really targeting him. Just to give you, Just to give you the numbers, Against Taz Nicholson, five receptions on eight targets for 40 yards, no touchdowns, an NFL passer rating of 75. His only issue this year is tackling kind of in space and the penalties. But kudos to the Illinois defense last week, zero penalties last week for the defense. Now that we say all this, a pass rusher probably would have made a great deal of sense here, wouldn't it have? <laughs> Seth Coleman, Gabe Ackes. I'm not changing now. Maybe Whatever. it's Keith's game. I mean, we could go with Johnny, but that just seems like it's cheating every week. <laughs> At some point, we are going to not be able to pick him. I think we shouldn't be able to pick him. Okay, then we can't pick Isaiah either. Let's just let's Isaiah, just take one off yes. the board on each side. Okay, that's fine. Because yeah, Isaiah Williams is probably good for 60 yards a game, and Johnny's good for how many pressures? Handful every game. I like those picks. An absurd amount. An absurd amount of pressures. <laughs> it is truly like. What do you have, seven, seven against Penn State? Week. And that felt low. Do you that remember against Indiana? I think it was seven, maybe it was nine against Indiana a year ago. He had ten in one game. I got I got PFF in front of me. And that was like uh, shaking the earth, oh, my God. Ten. And now he gets, yeah, and now he gets seven against the number seven team in the country, and it's kind of like, oh, a, I mean, we all agree it was a very, very good game. In fact, probably one of his best at right. Illinois. But it, it's just kind of 
that's what he does. Five plus pressures a game and just is a general nuisance. Yeah, his, his early season stretch, 10 Indiana, 7 Virginia, 8 Chattanooga. Had six against Nebraska, six against Northwestern. Pretty good. This feels like a very Newton stretch of three games coming up, by the way. Yeah. FAU, Purdue, Nebraska feels a lot like the, the conversation around him could get much, much louder in the next month. Uh, I love Seth Coleman last week. I thought he had a great game. Gay back has showed up. Obviously got the sack. Johnny had a big, big impact on that one. Um, but I thought he was so strong against the run. I thought those guys were way better. It's time for those guys to break out. It is really time for those guys to take break out. If, if they're NFL prospects, it's time. Uh, and, and you hope Keith's healthy because healthy Keith Randolph could have been a pick to click too because yeah. uh, he, he just hasn't been he, – he was clearly not as healthy last week, but, boy, he battled. Just to clarify, Brebbielma said during practice – during the Kansas game, he took a hit to his shin, yeah. um, which had kind of – limited him in some capacity it almost sounded like it was maybe a question as if he would be able to go against penn state he obviously did for so 60 healthy, plus snaps. That's what we right yeah he played for like 60 plus snaps against penn state so so kudos to keith uh for doing that all right uh one last thought illinois has had some flip candidates on campus so far this year dylan stevenson four-star edge rusher out of florida who's committed to stanford uh was on campus the first game then you had jaquan bostic uh, who's committed to West Virginia? Neil Brown on the hot seat. They're two and one to start. Uh, did have a conference win, I believe, last week against Pitt. I believe it was. Um, so he was on campus. And then this week, Alan True just reported Andrew Dennis, who, when I did my offensive line focus back in the winter, was like the top priority target I had listed there. But Michigan State offered. They locked him down. Of course, Michigan State is uh, without its coach, and uh, that should be official anytime soon. But yeah, Illinois getting aggressive with these guys. And, and Andrew Dennis is someone they had a really good relationship with. Bart Miller's done a good job. Obviously, their history of developing offensive linemen is good. He's gotten offers from Purdue, Penn State here recently, Stanford offer. Like He's gotten a, a slew of Power 5 offers with, with the shark circling Michigan State recruits right now, Joey. But that, that's a big one. Um, so Illinois still got some potential big targets they can get. And remember, last year, the last couple of years, some of their best targets uh, have been flip guys. So uh, something to watch for. Yeah. Two things I want to bring up with that four star offensive lineman. He would, you know, that we don't know what's going to happen with him, but that would be a pretty nice fall addition to the offensive line hall and probably move Eddie Turk to defense. Um, I text, I texted you and Ryan Easterling. He'd be the best offensive line prep guy. I think they've gotten uh, during Brett Buma's time here. I, he's, he reminds me a lot of Isaiah Adams, but he's just long, strong, physical, good pass sets. He's a complete offensive line prospect. I think can play tackle or guard, but I do think he can play tackle at the next level. So we do our over-unders every week, and there's one that was submitted. We're not going to do it because it's it's .5 flips. I'm not going to do that for this week because there's just too much going into it. We have to be logical about it, but... I want to change that number from between now and the first signing period to 1.5. 1.5. And see where you land. I'd go over 0.5. I don't think I'm. I I don't think I'm willing yet to go 1.5. But they did last year. (laughs) They did last year with Elsie and Colin Dixon. Dick. Now Dixon was helped by the coaching change at Wisconsin. Sure. But as we just discussed, there could, you know we don't know what's going to happen at West Virginia. I think there's a long time, Jeremy. That's so, not a bad right number. Now, that's not a um, bad number because there's probably a, that's not a bad number because there's probably another guy 
that they're going to have on campus or two, uh, and, and there will be coaches fired, right, that, that we aren't thinking about. Uh, they were going to have another kid on campus. I wrote about on the VIP board that's committed to another Big Ten program with a coach on the hot seat. So um, it's not a bad number, Joey. But I like them being I'm aggressive making, there. I, I like them. Uh, yeah, this, I would feel confident picking one. And, uh, that We say that we don't have like, oh, we're just waiting for this to announce. It's I, I just think that's the, the history of this coaching staff. One would yeah. make sense. But I, I do think we'll see some coaching changes around college football. And it's, it's the, the point is, probably the best way to put it, is this coaching staff has proven that they keep pushing until they're told not to, like, firmly no by a prospect. But they keep those relationships. I remember when Colin Dixon ultimately reopened and committed. And they, they, they know when and where to push the gas on guys, um, yeah. how to do it and how to maintain those relationships rather than just hanging up when you get a call the first time that it goes the other way. Yeah, well, Brett Bumas, I mean, he's publicly said this. When, when a kid calls him up to say he's committing elsewhere, he says, hey, if anything changes, uh, let us know. We, we, st- we still would love to have a chance to coach you. And usually they ask, do you want us to keep recruiting you? And if they say, sure, <laughs> they keep going. And that's what they've done with Dylan Stevenson. Obviously, they're doing it with Jaquan Bostic and, and now Andrew Dennis. So, um, I think that's really important not to burn bridges and be like, oh, you didn't commit to us. You're, you're dead to us, right? Uh, keeping that and, relationship and they've, shown a, they've shown a willingness to be flexible in their initial class thoughts, too, in terms of their breakdown. I think that's a huge, huge, huge thing. Now, if Malik Elzey tells you he wants to flip, I, it sure doesn't matter what your numbers were a month ago. You're going to find a way. But I think they've we've seen that with, with the James Krups late. Uh, they, mm-hmm. they are flexible in – changing their plans for the right guy and i think if you get someone on campus in my mind that tells me that they believe he's the right guy all right we will have our over-unders later in the week joey i do not know what our vip members have submitted but i'm going to throw a couple at you okay okay for the fau game caden fagan carries 4.5 you're pretty close to one of the submissions over i am in i jeremy i've sat there every week and said hey i probably should see this kid probably should see this kid and let's be honest josh mccray struggled to get going and Caden Fagan is very similar physically to Josh McCray, and he ran in very limited snaps. I thought he ran well. He ran hard. He fell forward. He got productive yards. Looked more and explosive. FAU would FAU would open the door for him. Okay. Snaps from Malik Elzey. What was it? Twenty. It was thirty-five, I think, last week. But that was with yeah, a game out of hand. Um, Could be the same way this week, though, and the other way, right? You would hope so. So I'm going to set Malik Elzey over under snaps at 28 and a half. Hmm. I think over. I feel like it's time for Malik Elzey. Like I, here I am going over on the two freshmen because I think it's time. And I think we've seen enough of the body of work to believe that it's time. Canary, would you go over? I would go over. On, uh, especially, yeah, I go over on both. I go over on both. I think they know they need just need more talent out there. And, and I think it's... I think it's an opponent you should be able to do it. I do not expect them to start. I do not expect, you know, Pat Bryant to be benched or, or Josh McCray not to have an opportunity. But I do think these guys need to get a couple more reps because I think you're going to need them uh, this year. And I think their talent is sh- is flashed at least. Should I do a Canary Wilcher? Like, <laughs> I mean, I'm going to take the under. Yeah, there's just too like much traffic speed. in front of him with Isaiah Williams and Hank Beatty. Yeah, I just like his speed. They need some speed out there. Ashton Hollins catches 0.5. Oh, 
I kind of laughed internally when we got that one last week, and boy, is my face red now. Um, it's uh, 2023 due span, man. It's just because the game, the way I think the game could go, I think over because he he's fast and he does things and he's super intriguing. Yeah, really intriguing for the long term. All right, I think that's it. I think that's all I got for you. You got any random ones? Any random things before we get out of here? I did see, and we'll answer in the VIP. I don't care about sharing this one. Two and a half quarterbacks. The two and a half different quarterbacks to take a snap for for both teams or just Illinois for Illinois which is the easy under right? I will go under on that one thank you very much now but that being said I thought maybe we'd see Donovan Leary for the back half of the fourth quarter against Penn State yeah John Paddock had some great stats on that last drive though he did after a generously described rocky first start rocky a little bit rocky. first drive rather yeah uh, no quarterback controversy here not on this podcast Shouldn't be anywhere. No, I don't believe so. At any point, ever. Joey Wagner, thank you, buddy. Appreciate you, man. Thank you to Joey Wagner and Zach Weinberger for their thoughts on Illinois against FAU. 2.30 kickoff for the Illini at Memorial Stadium before a big week the week after against Purdue, which Purdue uh, has Wisconsin this weekend. Off to a 1-2 and two start themselves. That'll be a major game for both teams. Uh, next Saturday in West Lafayette for their bowl probabilities. So huge one. Obviously, some personalities there, uh, some personal connections there, some recruiting stuff going on. But first, Illinois needs to take care of business against Florida Atlantic. We'll have our preview and picks up on Thursday. We got plenty coming at Atlanta Inquirer, including more on recruiting. Derek Piper has a lot on basketball coming up as well as including a feature. I'm excited uh, to read of his coming up on the Line Inquirer. So check all that out. Go VIP for just $1. Thank you for listening to the Line Inquirer podcast. Give us a follow rating review wherever you get your podcast and check us out on YouTube as well. Hit that notifications bell. Subscribe to us. We appreciate all the support wherever you guys give it to us. Everybody have a great day. Take care of each other. And we'll talk to you next time right here on the Line Inquirer podcast. Bye, everybody.